Good morning. We are so glad that you and you all could be with us today at Central Church of the Nazarene. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Breaker Downer. It's kind of a take off the HGTV show Fixer Upper. We're trying to break her downer. We're breaking down those walls, those obstacles, those things that stand in the way between us and becoming the people that God wants us to, to be. And we're using the strategy that Joshua used when the children of Israel marched around Jericho in the Battle of Jericho. You remember that story that the people were instructed by God to march around the city once a day for six days and on the seventh day to march around seven times and the, and the priests would give out a, a shout on their horns and the people would give out a shout and the walls came tumbling down. We all know that story. And so we've been looking at, at the, the steps, the strategies on how we can overcome our personal Jerichos. Week one, we talked about, about shrinking it down to size. The walls, probably taller than these walls, were, were, were huge and seemingly insurmountable. And the way to overcome was to shrink them down to size. Compare those problems in our lives, those situations, those circumstances, to the mighty power and knowledge and, and, and love of our God. And when we do that, when we compare our problems to our God, then certainly we can shrink those problems down to size. The second step was to have a plan. More specifically, have God's plan. Now, sometimes God's plan doesn't always make sense, marching around a city once a, a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day. doesn't make a lot of sense, but we can know this. When it's God's plans, we can be sure that they're good plans. The third, the third step in the strategy was after having a, shrinking it down to size and having a plan was to make it a holy endeavor. And we talked about how do we make a battle a holy endeavor. It's putting God in its proper place. It's getting in line with God. It's recognizing that holiness precedes victory always. The fourth step, where we were last week, was surround yourself with the right people. We need each other. If we're going to overcome the obstacles in our life, those things that are keeping us from becoming the people that God wants us to be, we need others, like-minded Christian believers around us. Our key verse from last week was really from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And we know that's true. Hang around gossips. Hang around negative people. Hang around those that don't believe the Bible is true. Hanging around those that always are, are, are contentious. Hang around those that are bad-mouthing people. Hang around those that talk bad about the church or the pastor or the church board or whatever. And it won't take very long until you are similarly speaking. Bad company corrupts good character. We need to surround ourselves with godly people, people who will speak life, not negativity, into our lives. And that leads us up to today. Today's lesson, step five, is simply this, don't quit. Don't ever quit. When facing your personal Jerichos, those giant walls that are keeping you from becoming the person, the people that God wants you to be, the temptation is, especially if you've been at it a while, and it seems like the marching around the walls isn't making any difference, when it seems like nothing is happening, when it seems like you're not seeing uh, any results from your faithfulness, the temptation is to throw in the towel, to throw up your hands, to say, well, I've tried, but I quit. Our lesson for today, step five, is simply, simply this, don't quit. Don't ever quit. You're in the middle of the journey. Don't quit. Victory will never come. It is guaranteed to lose if you quit. I've never seen an athlete who, who took his ball and went home and still won the game. No, you can't win the game. That's called a forfeit. You lose every time. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. 
Keep on marching, keep on trusting, keep on praying. That's when the victory comes. Since this is the fifth day of our series, um, we could pretend, I suppose, that we're day five of marching around Jericho, day five. That means that for the previous four days, the people, Joshua, Caleb, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the 601,730 troops are marching around Jericho. And I suppose at this point in the march, maybe, maybe they could have been asking, were they getting tired of putting one foot in front of the other? Were they, were they finding reasons uh, of fatigue or maybe uh, exhaustion or maybe fear for them to, to, to throw up their hands and quit? Joshua and the men had the same task gave day five that they had on day one. It was the same commitment, the same determination, the same fortitude to just keep on marching. Did the soldiers think about quitting? Were they tempted to quit? I don't know, I don't know. It was 3,500 years ago, 1,400 years before Jesus is when the, the battle of Jericho took place. But I know this, we live in a culture of quitters. I, I've seen some of the statistics, 49% of people who start a diet quit within the first month. 84% of people surveyed said that they would like to quit their job if they could. Half of the college students drop out before they graduate. Don't let that be you. And we all know the story about marriage and 50% of marriages that end in divorce. And church, oh my land, church. People are quitting church like, like, like never before. It used to be that people would quit a church, you know, get mad at something and, and go to the church down the road. But now they just quit. And the fastest growing uh, demographic as far as uh, religion and church attendance is, is nuns, those people that don't affiliate with, with anything at all. I told our, our membership class last week that one of, the, one of the advantages of church membership is not, you know, uh, some of the things that maybe you think, you know, you get to vote for this or that or do this or that. But really, I think the, the main benefit in this age in which we live of low commitment in a culture of quitting is saying, saying those are my people. I'm, I'm with them. They're my people. They're my family. That's what church membership is saying. They're, they're, they're me. I can't quit on them. Doesn't mean that the church is perfect. Doesn't mean the pastor's perfect or, or the people are perfect. It means that they're my people and I refuse to quit because, you see, we live in a culture, a culture of quitters. Listen, the farther you go in that in your quest to overcome that personal Jericho, especially if you don't see the walls wavering, especially if they're not wobbling even a little bit, you'll be tempted to throw in the towel, and you may begin to doubt. And maybe the Israelite soldiers were too at this point. Now, why are we doing this? Did Joshua get his wires crossed? You know, it doesn't seem like the walls are moving. We've been marching for five days. It doesn't seem like they're moving at all. Nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is I think I've got some blisters on my feet. That's all that's changed. It doesn't seem like this is making much sense. If God wanted these walls to come down, he could have done it on day one. Why, why are we still marching around? Maybe you've thought some similar things in your personal Jerichos. If God wanted to heal me, he'd have done it by now. If God wanted to, to get my kids out of that terrible situation, he would have done something by now. If God, if God really wanted to help me break this habit, he would have lessened the temptations by now. Why isn't God doing something about this, this huge, insurmountable problem in my life? What if I told you that the answer was just around the corner? 
What, what if I told you just hang on for a couple more days? Remember, we're pretending it's day five. What if I said just, just hang on for two more days or two more months or just a little bit longer? Could you do it? Or would you throw up your arms and say, oh, I'm just so tired. I don't know that I can. Well, putting one foot in front of the other in the march may not seem very exciting. While consistently marching on, even when you don't see results, might not seem like it's much fun. When you're fighting through fatigue or, or just frustration or you're tired of waiting or the fact that there hasn't been a, relu- a resolution anytime soon, can I tell you, just hang on. Don't quit. I'm not saying that that's easy. In fact, it's hard. It can be really hard. The psalmist in Psalm 6 said this, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. Doesn't sound like he's having much fun. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. How long, Lord? How long? Have you said that? How long will this obstacle be in my way? How long will this suffering continue? How, how long will I be burdened down by this grief? How long will I have to deal with this ungodly person? How long, Lord, how long? Can't you do something? Maybe you've said it, maybe you've thought it, maybe even today. But what's our lesson? Don't quit. Don't quit. Several years ago now, um, we went on a family vacation when our boys were young to Hershey, Pennsylvania. We went to Hershey Park. It's an amusement park. And um, there was a ride there that was just new then called the, the Roller Soaker. I went online this week to kind of give you all the details of the Roller Soaker, but I'm getting old. And they, it was new then, and they've already gotten rid of the Roller Soaker at Hershey Park. So it's not even there anymore. Um, and, and they probably tore it down because it wasn't that great. It wasn't, as far as rides go, I suppose it wasn't that great of a ride. The one good thing about the ride was that when you were riding the ride, or when, when you were on the ground before you, you were on the ride, you could shoot up, shoot water. It was kind of a, a, a mix between a roller coaster and a water um, ride. And so you, would, you could shoot the people on the ride from the ground, water, and if you were on the ride, you could like pour water on the people waiting in line. And so it was great. It was a great, great, great ride. And, and, and so... The day we were there, it was really hot, and everyone in the entire state of Pennsylvania went to Hershey Park the day we were there. And so we waited in line to ride the roller soaker, and when I say we, I mean me and Alex and Ben. Carla's idea of of fun is not waiting in line for an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes while being dumped water on you the entire time. I don't know why she doesn't like that, but she didn't like that. So the boys and I, we waited in line an hour and 15 minutes so that, 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 that we could ride this ride. But really the fun, the fun was when you were waiting in the line. It was hot. And for an hour and 15 minutes, we were getting drenched. By the time we got to the front of the line, we were soaking wet. And then we got on the ride. The ride, you know, again, it wasn't particularly fast. It didn't go particularly high. It didn't do a loop-de-loop or anything like that. But the waiting, the waiting was where it was fun. Now, I know most, most times that's not like that, right? Your experiences are waiting is not fun. In fact, waiting is the worst. When you're waiting for, for uh, uh, your boss to make a decision that affects your future, that's bad. 
When you're waiting maybe for a court case or something to be for some resolution to come and you're, there's a waiting period, you, oh, that's, that just seems like it takes forever. When you have tests done, uh, a physical tests, maybe they're looking for cancer and they say, you know, come back next week. That week is horrible. I remember a few summers ago, I had all these weird things happening uh, uh, physically. It was just weird. My ankles would swell up and and I had night sweats, which I won't get into, but trust me, it was gross, and yeah. And, and I, so I went in, my doctor had me have a CT scan, and my lymph nodes were enlarged, and so he sent me, I got a great doctor, he sent me to an oncologist, and the oncologist looked at all this stuff and said, oh, you have lymphoma, come back in, in six to eight weeks. <laughs> now listen, when a doctor tells you you have lymphoma, you do not want him to say, come back in six or eight weeks. It's like, <laughs> if I have lymphoma, I want to start doing whatever tomorrow. But that was, you know, six or eight weeks. Thankfully, I had a friend who had a friend who was the uh, head of the cancer department and the cancer center at the University of Michigan. I got in the next week. And the guy, the, the lymphoma specialist, looked at me and said, you don't have lymphoma. And so, so that was, but the, the waiting, yeah, it was a crazy couple of weeks, uh, a week there. The waiting, the waiting, the waiting. You know, you know, that's the worst. And, and, and sometimes we get so impatient. And we get impatient with God and we think, think God, why, why aren't you working? You know, uh, we haven't gotten the answer yet. There's not a, a rescue yet. There's not a relief yet. And when that doesn't come, so many people quit. But maybe part of the solution is, is viewing life more like that roller soaker line. I, I'm not saying that it's going to be fun and games. Because waiting stinks, it just does. But maybe, maybe, maybe part of the journey in that wait, when you want to throw up your hands and quit, part of the journey is trusting and knowing, resting in the fact that God is in control and I can trust him. There's a great verse, Isaiah 60, 22, that says this, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. I think that what what that means is God can do anything he wants at any time he wants to do it. And so we can trust him. Let's trust the, the God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that he does in fact know what he's doing. I don't know everything. I don't see everything, but he does. So shouldn't we trust him? Why did the soldiers have to march around the the city of Jericho once a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day over and over again? God had a plan. Didn't make sense. Didn't make sense, but God had a plan. Maybe, Maybe the children of Israel were learning something. God could have knocked those walls down day one. But maybe they were learning something in that process. Maybe there was something they didn't know. Maybe it was just a matter of trusting And maybe in your journey, when the answer hasn't come immediately, maybe you can trust. Maybe there's some things you can learn. Maybe it's it's recognizing Isaiah 60, 22, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. The waiting might not seem and might not be fun like the roller soaker line, but maybe you can learn the joy in the journey the confidence in God in the journey, the the trusting, the faithfulness, the hopefulness in the journey. Who knows? Maybe you could even, you know, sing, sing, sing in the journey. I I know when I've had some particularly 
uh, difficult times. It seems like God brings a song into my mind that talks about his faithfulness or, or, or needing to press on or keeping at it. I don't know if the Israelite soldiers were singing as they were marching around the, the city of Jericho. It doesn't sound like they did. Maybe. Or maybe they were soldiers. Some of you, you veterans on this Veterans Day weekend, maybe you were, were in the army when you had to do, you know, like a marching cadence. You know how those things go. Kind of like this. Check that out. Here we go. Here we go. All the way. All the way. Here we go. Here we go. Every day. Every day. Sign my name on the dotted line. Sign my name on the dotted line. All I do is a double time. All I do is a double time. Up the hill. Up the hill. Down the hill. Down the hill. Down the hill. Down the hill. Up the hill. Up the hill. Airborne. Airborne. Hurrah. Those soldiers, did they have a marching cadence? I don't know, maybe they did. Maybe, maybe, what would they have marched? <sighs> hey, I got a choir behind me. Maybe you can help me. You can be, I can be the drill sergeant. You can, you can follow. Maybe the children, you, you pretend you're the soldiers, 601,730. I'll say line, you repeat this line. Can you do this? I sprung this on them. They don't know that I'm doing this. Here we go. We're going to do a marching cadence as if we're marching around the walls of Jericho. You ready? Can you do it? Yeah. All right, here we go. March around Jericho every day. March around Jericho every day. The wall's going to crash and fall away. The wall's going to crash and fall away. God is bigger than these old walls. God is bigger than these old walls. They're going to crash like Niagara Falls. They're going to crash like Niagara Falls. Boom 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 boom. Boom 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 boom. Boom 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 boom. Boom 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 boom. Walls are gonna crash like Niagara Falls. Walls are gonna crash like Niagara Falls. That's all. <laughs> Can you come back next week? We'll do it again. <laughs> now I don't know if the six hundred and one, seven hundred and thirty thousand troops did a marching cadence. But I think part of the journey. Part of the victory, part of the victory in overcoming your personal Jerichos is finding joy in the midst of the storm. It's allowing God to speak through, through songs or through his word. And there are plenty of verses that speak of perseverance and don't throwing in the towel and don't quit along the way. Verses like Hebrews 10.36, you need to persevere, the author writes, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. In other words, hang in there. Don't quit. You'll receive what God has promised. Just hang in there. The author of Hebrews wrote this. Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't grow weary, he's saying. The enemy wants you to grow weary. Don't grow weary. Hang in there. Keep at it. Keep marching. 
The Apostle Paul knew a thing or two about this. In Galatians 6, he said, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, in due season, we will reap a harvest. Why? If we don't give up. I think Paul was an expert at reminding himself to keep on going, to not give up, to, to keep on, keep on, keep on. In 2 Corinthians, there's two really important passages that sometimes I read when I'm tempted to quit. Sometimes pastors are tempted to quit. And it's kind of a passage where you think, you know, where you're wanting to say, Calgon, take me away, or Jesus, take me away. And this is what he says five times in 2 Corinthians 11. Five times I received 40, from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night in the, in, and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. Ah! I think we could all agree. If that was us, we'd say, all right, that's it. Throw in the towel, I'm done. Is that what Paul says? Not on your life. A little bit earlier, same letter. He wrote this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we keep running the race. Therefore, we keep on marching. Therefore, we do not quit. Though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Again, remember, light and momentary troubles, shipwreck, danger, danger, danger from all these places, danger. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, not on those obstacles, not on those walls, not on those problems, not on those worries. No, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Jesus Christ, the unseen champion of the world. We fix our eyes on him since what is seen is temporary. These problems will not last. What is seen is temporary, but what is Unseen, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is eternal. That's what he's saying. We can be excited about that. In other words, God is at work. We don't need to fear. We don't need to worry. God is at work. Keep going, keep going, keep trusting. Don't stop. Well, pastor, you don't understand my situation. You know, I've, I've been praying, 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 nothing's happened. I've been waiting, 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 nothing's happened. I've tried, 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 nothing happens. What do I do then? Your question really is about patience. What do I do when my patience has run out? James, the brother of Jesus, gives us the answer. He says, be patient then, my brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. James is saying, listen, just hold on a little bit longer. God is working, God is, we maybe don't see it. God's working, he's moving, just hold on. I wonder how many people have quit just before God, God opened up of heaven's blessings. How many people have thrown in the towel just before God decided to work a great miracle? How many people have said, that's it, I'm done, just before God was about to answer whatever their prayer was? In my book on, on chronic pain, which... By the way, I'm teaching a, a three-week class. The first class was this past Wednesday, but you can still jump in this Wednesday, next Wednesday. And in the book, the last chapter, so here's a spoiler alert. Um, the last chapter, I talk about, um, this was 
probably six, seven years ago when I was writing the book, I was doing, a, uh, I was on sabbatical and I was at my mom's writing the book. And I was also preparing to run a race with, with um, my sons. And so one day I knew I had to go out and run. I'm not a runner. And if, you know, in the next service when Carla's here, I'll have to admit, you know, I'm not a runner. And she'll say, why aren't you running? And, you know, it'll be a, just a terrible marriage counseling session. Um, but I'm not a runner, but I knew I had to run. And so I went out to run, and it was misting just a little bit. Not a lot, not, you know, in fact, the, the ground wasn't even wet. And, and it was one of those mists where you think, is it really misting, or is it just me thinking it's misting? And I looked up, and it, and it didn't look like, you know, it was going to storm or anything. It certainly didn't look like ominous clouds, like, you know, it was going to rain cats and dogs, or, and, you know, Rob build an ark. It wasn't anything like that. And so I decided, you know, I need to run. And wouldn't you know it, I got, I got from the farthest point from my mom's place, and the skies opened up. It just started pouring cats and dogs. It was just pouring, pouring, pouring. No, I hate, I hate rain running even when it's sunny and nice. You know, I am not a rain runner at all. I don't need many excuses to not run. I haven't run, you know, in four years or whatever. I, I don't need an excuse. It's pouring, 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 and there's no place to hide. There was no store to run into. There was no big tree I could, could get under. And so I knew I could either stand there and get soaked pouring rain on me, or I could just keep on running. And with each soggy step as I was making my way back to my mom's place, I said, just one, you're one step closer. You're one step closer. Just keep on running. You're one step closer. Soon you'll be dry and you'll never have to do this again. You're one step closer. You're one step closer. And I think sometimes we need to listen to the Lord come to us. I say, you're one step closer. Just keep on running. Keep on going. The journey may not seem great. It's not fun when you're running in soggy socks. The journey may not always be fun. But remember Paul's words, let's not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's so easy to quit. The point of all that, the point of this sermon, is saying, listen, God knows what he's doing. You can trust him. You can trust his faithfulness. And even when you don't see anything happening, even when you don't see the walls wobbling just a little bit, even when it seems crazy, keep on keeping on, keep on trusting, keep on believing. God is at work. You can always trust him. King Jesus is on the throne. He is the one who, he wins in the end. And when we're on his side, we can be sure that we can be victorious as well. Lord, we are so glad that you are on the throne, that we can trust you always. Their song just meant Jesus wins. We want to be on your side. We'll win too. Thank you, Lord, for how you're working. In Jesus' name, amen.